Hi, this is Mary H.K. Choi, and you're listening to Hey Cool Job, a podcast about jobs. My guest today is none other than Bowen Yang, comedian, podcast host, lip sync master, and a writer at Saturday Night Live. I'm in love with my life. Hi, Bowen. Hi, Mary. <gasps> yay! Oh, yay. <laughs> it's really wild that I'm talking to you. I'm so ecstatic. And it's so funny because we embraced so warmly. But is this our, our first, like, meat suit date? I IRL? think it is. Okay. I think it is. And that's why I, I rounded the corner off the elevator to come into the studio. And it's, and then you greeted me. I'm Just the vision of you, I was like, <laughs> so just, just, just really wonderful. And I texted you, and, I, and now I just... Now I just, like, am second-guessing everything about even telling you this earlier, but I was just like, I'm so nervous. I don't know why. I literally came off of, like, a crazy fucking week at this this stressful-ass job, and for some reason, like, the, the stress locus of the week for me is talking <laughs> to you. But no, in, like, the you-stress sense of, like, this is like, the good kind of stress mm. where I'm like, this is cool. That I'm that I'm doing this that I that I get to talk to Mary. I'm so excited. But so yeah, as you were mentioning, it is Sunday, which means that you, this is your day. Like yeah. you had a crazy day yesterday. Uh huh. Um, thank you for coming in and spending your day off. Of with course. Us. I mean, I have the next two weeks off. Okay, it's that's my nice. last little. What what is it like? Just a, my last little liminal. Break, in between, in between like, your micro schism between exa- craziness. Yes, yes. Um, so is this day like typically the day out of the week where you, the only day where you feel truly free? Yes, but then the the, the worst part of it is truly being like, oh, I got to go on Monday and think about a pitch idea to pitch to like, you know, Emma Thompson, you know, it's very, it's, it's like... <laughs> It's all of it just looms ahead of you in in this crazy way that um, is just yeah is is just just fills you with dread at all times. Well, okay, so there does definitely seem to be an ambient built-in terror that is just native to the the show itself. Sure. But the thing that I always kind of so I really like SNL right now, uh-huh. and it's it's funny because. I've been watching it, I think, more conscientiously since you started. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But it's been good for a while. But I think that there's this thing, especially because it's 44th season. Uh It's been around for so long where people almost compare it to other shows that make you laugh. But if you just pan out just ever so slightly, you're like, this is a live ass show Uh that's made up. Right. Wholly from scratch. Exactly. Every goddamn week. Yes. And so the mechanics of that if you think about it, it's crazy. Just mind blowing. Like the for me, the coolest part of the week is if you're lucky enough to get a sketch, what they call picked. So you write all night on Tuesday, you stay up till five. Wednesday's the table read with the host, where people sit for four hours and just read through like forty some odd sketches, and then about a dozen or so get picked from there. Um, as soon as picks go up, this is all very internal lingo, but as soon as picks go up. Uh, the writers who are on the piece just rush over to the production offices and you just make the rounds with um, set design, costumes, hair, makeup, or uh, props, like all, and like that to me is the coolest part where you're just like, oh, this is fully, this is 
this is all coming out of nothing. This is all this like bacteria budding out of like a petri dish with no agar or whatever, you know? It's yeah, like, totally. Thank you, chemistry. Thank you, chemistry. Man, man. Yeah, yes, totally. like chemistry major. Um, uh, but that's the coolest part for me where you're just like, oh, the velocity of all this is wild and I and I still it's I still can't believe how quickly it happens. Although that is kind of crazy, because on one hand, you're like, oh my God, yes, one of my stories is picked. Uh-huh, but then you're uh-huh. like, holy shit, I'm on the hook. Yeah, yeah. And because I, I imagine that like even with all this experience, even with the table read, mm-hmm. there's so much in like making that come to fruition where you're like, fuck, I see all the holes or the flaws or yeah. the thing that I, I wrote, but maybe the prop team can't furnish in 24 hours. Exactly. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, the this this thing happened recently um, on the Kit Harrington episode where I wrote the sketch with my friend Will, where Kit is with his wife at a grocery store, and then he like looks around and he's like, um, "Oh my god, I think I see my ex. I just I think I I gotta go say hi. It's the right thing to do. Do you mind?" And his wife's like, "Yeah, sure." And he walks over, and then we w- widen to reveal Beck. Bennett in a like a full BDSM like <laughs> like <laughs> get up with like nibble clamps and as like you do, yeah. as you do. Um but like truly the the hardest part of the hardest part of that process and getting that to because it got cut for time or just got cut after dress, mm. I should say. Um but the hard the most challenging aspect of that was because um, we were, we and it ends up just being this tender scene of them catching up and being like, "You look happy, thanks," oh, you know, like that. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like kink shaming at all. We were like, we we're very like, we wanted it to just to be like this nice, lovely thing where you just drop in, you know, kink specifics, but it's not shaming anything. It's just like a fun little specifics container. But the hardest part was just figuring out the specifics of the costume. Right. Of, yeah. Because you've got this sight gag that delivers so much, right. and then you sort of like demystify that from there exactly so that yeah so but it is actually like snl is so nuanced and it's it's come a long way even in kind of a short while i think that maybe that inflection point happened when there was such a focus on like the female players and just since then it's it's sort of built on like kind of a bananas and nuanced and like very weird and like yeah there's a lot of voices totally in snl that you can like really tell now right i mean i think that's like the great part of the show is that it just frankensteins all these different sensibilities together Mm. um where there is space like i'm just amazed even at like even even at i'm just amazed that like um like there's space for like a weird queer like facet to like a piece where it's just like okay well um let's write something where emma stone plays like the wife who gets cheated on in a gay porn and how she's like taking that very seriously as an actress or she's an actress who's playing that role right and she's showing up to set being like what's like you know like who is this woman um, <laughs> what's my motivation right exactly really? yeah, no, totally. that was the whole piece and then um and i was just like this is never going to make it onto tv i kept telling uh my writing partner julio uh, on that i was like or my collaborator on that piece i was like i don't know how this will ever go um and then it got picked and i was and then all week i was like i can't believe this is being made and that this is going to show up on the screens of any random like person. Every, that's the other thing too. Like I feel almost that SNL is tricking me into watching NBC again. And so I've never seen more Raymore and Flanagan oh, ads in wow. my life. I'm like, oh right, Drag Terrestrial. Like, no, but 
but I was like, this is terrestrial television yes. and I am here for it. And that's the part that's also really funny where I'm like, yo, this really genuinely is on NBC. Sure. And you're like, and I guess it can't really live anywhere else. And like, that's, I mean, the thing about SNL is that it's a show that would never be made today, like from, because just with the budget and with like. Yes. The pain in the ass factor, just totally. some, someone, like some bean counter in accounting land being like, is this platform agnostic would be like, this is too expensive. <laughs> yes, yes, For where yes. it lives. Exactly. Which is kind of like the thrilling part of it. So, again, stepping away just for one second. Yes. Yo, how fucking bananas is it that you're on SNL? It's bananas. It's crazy, it's right? It's crazy. Um, and I haven't, like, vocalized that very much this year. This is my first season, so this it's all still... I mean, like, I think, like, everyone just says, like, oh, you don't fully, like, find your footing or, or whatever um, until your second season there. Well, I imagine because for the first season, you don't feel your face at no, all. No, no. Oh, my God, that's that's perfect. That's the perfect description. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm fully just, I mean, they tell you to just, to just be a sponge and just mm. absorb everything you can. And I think I'm still, I'm still in that state. So how do you manage some of the terror that accompanies it? Oh, I mean, I, I've done a bad job this week where um, I just, like, take everything personally, <laughs> which is, like, it's the last place where you... Like, how so? Where um, you're, on a, you're working on a piece and then um, you have an instinct and you have, like, a vision for something where um, you sort of put that out in a certain way and then whoever's working on it with you, be it, like, a director, a, you know, a set person, a, cost, a wardrobe person, will just push back in a way that isn't that is like we'll push back in a way that is probably reasonable in any other setting but like with like literally you wrote this thing two days ago and someone's telling you well like yeah this is like what we were talking about it's like you can't we can't get this cardigan in this color and all of a sudden like you think that's the one keystone to the whole piece and you're like well this is all gonna fall apart mm -hmm. and Wow, how dare you attack me? You know, it's like No, the, sure. And also leaps. like you try to write a fucking skit in two it, days. Totally, you know? totally, like, totally. Um but yeah, I mean I think I think um the way that I've managed it so far, which I is probably still like very much in flux and I'm still learning, but like um honestly, it's just to like my therapist said this thing where um like I am so, I've been very concerned with all the peripheral satellite bullshit of like, uh, there's like, what, what, like, there's like a confusion term of like 10,000 joys and sorrows of everyday life where it's like, I'm so concerned with all these like things that have nothing to do with the actual thing that I have to just like cut through all of that and just like, just hit the core and, and instead of like second guess ever like just the second guessing itself is peripheral it has nothing to do with the actual thing oh wow so like i i mean i have that same sort of thing where you zoom in far enough that you can't see the picture for the pointillism totally. and then each little pointillist point becomes yes. its own like orbiting gravitational oh, totally, energy totally. Yeah. and it is a thing where you can't see the forest for the trees yeah um, yeah and it's and it's and you just you get into such a myopic place when you're there where you just you 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 like look at every single word and I mean this is just writing in general right where you just like oh, hack God. and slash it just words and just the order and the, and the syntax and whatever like what is this communicating what if we said it you know it's it's kind of wild yeah yeah I have those days when you wake up and all you can do is just like 
pie in your head. It's like 3.145 family. Just uh-huh. like, yeah, 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 like yeah, forever. Yeah. yeah, totally. Wow. How do, do you sleep during um, the week? This was a bad week. For, I'm just, I'm all like, and this is the thing about SNL too. It's like, doesn't matter. It's, it's like, if you have an amazing week, that's great. Like your feeling about the show and about working there um, mostly has... It's it, there's there's such a weird amnesia to it. Like, it's, like, you, you, it's such a short term memory in terms of like your experience at that show. Like I'm just pulling from stuff that I've experienced in the past three weeks, and everything else is a blur to me. Everything before that is like full amorphous, just like just totally formless. I can't even remember like where I was like when this person hosted and what I had in. Um, that's but, kind of awesome. That's like, I think part of the human condition, I think that's the only way that we can cope with mortality is sure. that we reset after a while uh-huh. when we're too panicked. Right. <laughs> yes. But I, I guess that's, I mean, it, it's both good and bad where just everyone just resets and levels back out to the same baseline mm. on Monday where it's like, um, doesn't matter if you ate shit or if you like fucking soared on Saturday. You have Sunday to, to just recover and then Monday everyone's like back at zero. Right, um, so the points don't transfer either way, no. and there's pluses and minuses with that. It's, yeah, it's crazy. Like I went in knowing that full well because I had friends who worked there already, and they were just like, "Well, this is this is what you should expect." And I was like, "Okay, well, I feel like I can probably like, I don't know, just like think of the whole experience as like as a collective, as like a collection of different, um, of like of like times that you've been val- validated or whatever." Um, but no, it's true. Like you, you go in Monday being like, okay, cool, fresh start, which is which is beautiful, which is the way you cope with mortality. <laughs> yeah, but also, yeah, I guess it's that thing of like going back and forth between your like experiential self and your narrative self, and like yeah. no matter what someone tells you, and no matter how you process that intellectually, the yeah. feeling of it is you're like, holy shit. Yes, yes, and this is just how. Well, first of all, to answer your original question, I did not get sleep this week. I. Friday, I did two pre-tape sketches, which is like just like the video, like the film stuff, um, the stuff that's not live, um, even though it's a live show. But I, I was on two of those, and so that's like for the vernacular, it's like yes. either like the ads or like the yes. digital like shorts exactly. and like things like that. Exactly. Yeah. And so, um, did a morning shoot from seven a.m. to two. Went to Thirty Rock, took a nap, failed. Tried to take a nap and failed, and then had another shoot from 4 p.m. to 3 a.m. So that was a 20 hour day. And it was like, and you still got a show to put on. And then, yeah, and then you gotta go home and like close your eyes for a few hours and then get up and (laughs) go in on Saturday at like one. If you don't have a a sketch in that Mm -hmm. evening show, do you Mm -hmm. still have to go? You still have to go for the tables, and usually Saturday afternoon, like the top of, like the beginning of the day, is when head writers will come in with the cold open basically whatever's because mm-hmm. that has to be the most like topical thing and it has to just be it's usually the longest thing it's usually very it's always topical and it just like it just has to be like a joke sort of gatling a gatling gun of jokes where you're just like okay and then we just need pitches on what can julian assange say to you know um Lori laughlin like okay great 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 and so it's just you kind of have to be there to, just to be present and it's good and it's i don't know it's like the noble thing to do. But then, like, I mean, to, for the Kit Harrington show, after I found out my BDSM sketch got cut, I was like, okay, I'm just going to go to this bar with my friends. And then that was actually this moment where I was like, I got there and it was this queer space. And I was like, oh, I haven't had this kind of meaningful connection with like <laughs> people, like outside world people right. in so long. And this is 
fully rejuvenating and I need this and I need to remember this feeling and where this goes in like context with everything with everything else. And so, yeah, that was wild. But you don't have to be there if you have nothing on. Once dress finishes, dress rehearsal finishes, then you can go home. But so that actually kind of speaks to this other turbine. So like even if your sketch doesn't get picked in order to be a part of the room that mm-hmm. writes the cold open, you still have to read the news every day and yeah. like really know what's going on totally. even outside of like 30 Rock and yes. like all this stuff. Totally. Do totally. you feel like that sort of roving mind also kind of like depletes a lot of your like ram? Well, yes, 100%. And then the other part of it is that you read the news in this way now where oh the hunger well, there's the hunger and then there's like the double refraction now where you're just like, here's a new story. Interesting. Oh, here's what I can just, here's the takeaway from it. Now I got to think of if, is this, how can I make this a sketch if I wanted to? So your hot take machine is constantly on. Which I guess is everybody, which I guess is happening to yes everybody. Yes and no, but I feel like when it, actually, let me rephrase. I think that is true, yeah. but there's just like the hot take machine isn't for like Twitter or some like flame indignation. It's like right. it's like that ellipses is a bit longer for you. Totally, where you just have to think of, okay, and then how do we stage that? And mm, should it be like a jail cell or should it be um, this other set? You know, it's it, it, you, you start to like immediately go through this decision fatigue in your just overall it's it's, you read a news story and you're like oh i am trying to like like i'm trying to like peel away at these layers Mm. that like are bizarre and strange and wait am i am i relating to this in the proper way i'm like reading all this like oh my god i'm reading all these crazy well yeah i'm reading all these things about um like the chinese spies trying to get into mar-a-lago and being like hmm well, like, how can I do this without any Asian cast? And I'm like, <laughs> do I write an update piece where this happens? You know, it's just like, uh, yeah, that's the weird thing. That's well, the also, weird. I can imagine that you're doing this when you're hearing about something. Mm-hmm. And then you're like with your friends in a bar. And they're like, did we lose you? Are you still here? Oh, like, if what's I was going, going to a bar with my friends, that would happen. Yeah. Like, yeah. Totally. Like, I'm just not going to bars with my friends. <laughs> so if I were to ask you about your work-life balance right now, you would say it's hot trash. Hot trash. Oh, my God. Just white hot. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then there's so many high points. I really want to talk to you about the Sandra O. Oh yeah. Episode. Wow. Um, I know. Wow. <laughs> wow for both of us. Wow for just humanity. Wow for humanity. But actually, when you Google your name, um, the first autofill is lip sync. Okay. And then it's just like America's Next Top Model. And so in oh, like great, Grey's Anatomy great. and uh-huh. like all this stuff and SNL and Twitter and all this stuff. So you actually went viral last year for lip syncing all these people. And uh-huh. I mean, the tour de force that I, amongst everyone, just was gagging over is Christina Yang yes. from Grey's Anatomy, uh-huh. Sandra O's oh's character. Yep. And then you do this episode with her on SNL. How was it? Um, I probably don't have enough distance from it yet, but I, I will. <laughs> I, it's, I'm filing it under, like, best week of my life. Because you also did your, like, on-screen debut. That was, and that was crazy. It was it was a truly bonkers week. I, I I finished that week being like, I will never have a week as crazy as this no matter what. Even if I'm like, even if 
I like Lauren abdicates the, the, his role to me. It's like I there's no <laughs> just hands you the scepter exactly. Yeah, I'm like <laughs> it will not get crazier because I was on because I wrote two of the pre tapes. Same same deal as as this Emma week. Um, Did you write checks? I wrote I co wrote checks with my friend Julio. Um, I wrote that and then I wrote this. I wrote the Discover card us sort of. Thing that was a, Ego. that was also really weird. Yeah, it was so weird. So good. Yeah. yeah, it was weird, but it was like a top of show thing where normally they want to like slot the the more accessible gen pop things at the top of the show. Um, but like that was like top of show, and because I think it, I think Lauren just wanted it to be like okay, I, I want us to have like a, an us piece, a Jordan Peele thing. Yeah, because um, it had just come out. Um, so yeah, so I was on two of those, and I was um, co-writing monologue. Uh, with my friend Sudi and uh, another writer, Frank Gillespie. Do they put you in the monologue because you're Asian? They're well, like, you'll do it. You'll do it. Well, literally, the monologues I've been on this season have been for Aquafina, Momoa, Hawaiian, mm. and Sandra. So, so, so it literally has just been the Asian host. <laughs> and we're like, okay, fine. You're like, we've got one of those now. <laughs> yes, and we must at least ceremoniously put them on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's funny, actually. So you're in this skit. Um, it's about, like, Putin, the, yeah, yeah. It's like the Kremlin report, I believe. It's um, Kremlin meeting. The Kremlin meeting, and you're in it, and you're literally playing Kim Jong Un. Uh huh. And it's one of those things that, on paper, and again intellectually, if I was just like, oh, of course they put like the East Asian writer as Kim Jong, but sure. In the moment, I was like, I'm so proud. Oh, thanks. I've Mary. never been prouder. <laughs> and you were also so good. Thank you. And I have to ask, like. Do you want to be a player, like, on screen? How do you... Yeah. Because you were great. I mean... Thanks. And ha- sharing a scene with Sandra Oh, not easy? No, I mean, actually very easy because she was just giving me back rubs, um, like, behind <laughs> b- behind the door. I mean, backstage, I guess, but it's just behind the, the set. She was just giving me back rubs all week. So you had, like, imprinted on each other like farm animals throughout the week yes. like what happened well, so so I met her um, so the full story is I met her in January when she hosted the Golden Globes oh wow and so then they were uh, they, they took a few they picked, cherry picked a few SNL people to go and I was just like I, I, I gotta go and then I and then I got a got the text <laughs> and um, I was gonna say call but whatever text it's text is more accurate and then but then I went I met her there and she goes around Andy's there. Andy's perfect. Andy's fantastic. And Andy's there and says hi to all of us. He's like, Sandra's coming in a minute. And then she she comes, she shows up, is so, so warm and nice and magnetic, shakes hands with everybody, meet, introduces herself, learns names. She gets to me and she goes, I know who you are. <gasps> Had she seen it? And so then, so then we're so then it was just like a fun little laugh, a cute little laugh. She like gives us all a moving speech about how important this is for her, how much it means to her, and how much how thankful she is that we're there to help her. And then we break off into these little groups, and then she's like, "Bo and I, um, oh, I had this idea for this Pepsi bit, um, where you know you send." A, a bottle of Pepsi to the Crazy Rich Asians table. Can we write that? To, can we can we like work on that together? Together is like yes, of course, absolutely. And we sit there. We just like work. I'm just trying to be like professional and cool and not too you know sycophantic or whatever. Right. And I'm just you know, typing, you, you, you're silent screaming the yes. whole time in your head. Yeah. Hundred totally. percent. Yeah, yeah. Blood vessels flop are sweat. <laughs> yes. Flop sweat. Blood vessels are fully dilated. I'm just like typing and um. So we we work on that and then I get up to go to the bathroom. So we're both, we're both sitting down, and we're both sitting in like a small circle of about like five people. Um, I get up to go to the bathroom, which is, and she's sort of like on the way there. And then she, when I get up, she reaches her hands up to like touch me, and then I like 
magnetically just sort of like put my hands out and touch hers and we hold hands and then she just goes to the room she goes look at this man and I was like what's going on and she goes you know my partner sent me your video and and she goes I have never ever once seen my work from Grey's like just in general she doesn't watch herself back in anything oh I didn't know that she's she's never seen herself back in Grey's in any scene for of Christina and she was like that was one of the most challenging times at Grace for me because I was, because it, it was like sort of latter half of my time there. There and was so much drama on that show right then, too. Totally, yeah. totally. And she was like, um, this is when they were waiting, they, this is when they were phasing Catherine Heigl out fully. Mm-hmm. Like, they were like, okay, we're done. Like, please leave. Um, but then Sandra was like, I remember this particular scene being so tough because, because like, apparently Shonda you cannot deviate from the script by any just even on a syllabic level she's one of those but also just to interject for Uh anyone who hasn't seen this this is bowen recreated this like monologue that sandra o's character does in gray's anatomy and she's basically talking to someone who she's really in love with except she's being a fucking pill about it because (laughs) she's been hurt in her past and so this is a huge catharsis to which, because she's kind of taciturn as a character and brooding, she hasn't really addressed head on right. until this scene. Yes. And also, like, you know, fucking Sandra Oh is like such a powerful actor. Just like a muscular actress. Yes. yes. Emotionally, <laughs> Emotionally muscular, muscular. Yes, is what, what you've called yes, her. Yes. yes. <laughs> and so, she, so the fact that you lip synced this moment and it was every, it, I mean, it immediately went viral because all of us were like, oh my God, this is so special. <laughs> and so this is what. Sandra O oh is talking to you yes, about. Yes, yes. Thank you for the for the background. Yeah. Um, I just I just kind of went in um, with this, but uh, she goes. I brought it to my acting coach. She was like, "You must read what is on the page," and which she's basically just like weaving this whole tale about how challenging this particular monologue was. So for she her. was scared. Yes. Oh my god. And then and then she was she was just like and then I saw I saw you do it, and then it just made me very proud. <gasps> Of my work, and she goes, and then she just very, just uh, jokingly, facetiously, of course, she's just like, and also you did it better than me, and then that got a big laugh in the room. And but I was like, holy shit, this is crazy, this is wild. She is, she's my, she's my number one. And then we even did this thing the week of Sandra, or the week of Kit, like the week after Sandra. We like the writers were just sitting around, so there was downtime, and then they play this game where they're like, who's your dream host? And everyone's like, oh, um. Paul McCartney or, uh, you know, Conan O'Brien and, and all these people. And it gets to me and I'm like, literally it was Sandra. And that was a crazy, crazy week. Um, so I was, two, I was on two pre-tapes, co-wrote the monologue. Um, and and she's, within, she's such a Swiss army knife. Like you yes. guys put her in everything, like every type of like yes. role, which was really hilarious. She was game for anything. And she was, she, so yeah, she was just like, Phenomenal. No, but the, the, she was giving me back rubs backstage um, uh, for the Kremlin sketch. And the first time she gave me one, I was like, oh, wow, I need this. And then she said, I know you do. <gasps> and she was just so warm and gentle. She seems one of those like really like intuitive mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. where like her vibrational energy is just like really like forward yes. and then you can just either the, either vibe off of that or not totally totally but um uh, yeah that's beautiful also like you know it, it's this 
as a me in this, <laughs> the sort of meta reverb of like what Christina Yang meant to me as an on-screen character yeah. in terms of like in the same way that she is in Killing Eve, like that Asian character is very just incidentally Asian, which is like such a big thing. Like that right, is right. such a character that could be just anyone yep. that she kills. Yes. And so for me to see someone like that being so flawed, so vulnerable, mm-hmm. and that developed from like the first season where she was just kind of a type A, like, you know, totally. those like tiger mom children yeah. people to like turning <laughs> into this like character. And then for you to reenact it and then like for you to meet and then for her to be like the only second Asian host of SNL and you're like the first East Asian writer, it's just like, that's really nice. Yeah. And talk about like meeting your heroes and it going well. It's just never happens. (laughs) Rarely happens. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I um, will just cherish that. And she, she just, she means a lot. She, she, she is my, um, but the vibrational energy thing, I think you're totally right. Like I, for me, it's like, oh, I, I had this joke that got cut from the monologue where, um, the whole premise was that she doesn't know how to brag because she's Canadian Canadian and Asian. And so Leslie Jones is teaching her how, um, and then one of one of the jokes that I wrote for her was when she was trying these brags on for size was, um, I'm Sandra Oh, I have amazing hair, and I make people cry at award shows. I'm the Asian Oprah. Um, which, to me, like, that was just out of... Uh, that was just me being like, uh, this is what I think of her. Like, she, like, has this, like, gentleness, but this force that, like, mm. at the same time, that just, like, has hooked She, like, galvanizes. On. Yes. She does. I really... If she was just like, we're doing this now. This is what we're on. I'd be like, mm-hmm. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> I, I shall follow you. <laughs> right. So, what day did you find out you were going to be in that skit? Um, I found out... Tuesday night, the writers of the sketch, um, Streeter Seidel and Brian Tucker, who write for Beck as Putin. Okay. Um, they were like, okay, well, the Mueller report just came out, and we want to write a sketch where Putin is, like, talking about collusion as if it were his, like, Canadian girlfriend. Um, would you be down to play Kim Jong-un? And I was like, sure. Um, was there any part of you being like, fuck you? <laughs> no, because... So, so, the, so, so to answer the question about um, what I want to be... On cast, I so I screen tested four times, mm. a bunch of t- a handful of times the year before I got hired to write, um, where they were kind of considering me. For, they were like, mm, like, what do we do with Bowen? Um, but I would go back in, and um, the the nice feedback that I got was that I improved, that I just got better every time. Mm. Um, and so, but then like every time they would be like, we want to see Bowen do Kim Jong Un, and I was like, okay. Um, and it, like the take on it was just that he like was just sort of V-aggro and, like, was just would say things like, like, come at me, bro, or whatever. I don't know. He's way um, more funny as just, like, a small child who has no idea what's yes, going on. <laughs> I think so, too. Yeah. I, was just, I was just, like, trying a, trying a take on, trying a take out, and it, it just, I don't know. Um, but then, um, so then when, so then, so then these writers approached me about playing him on Tuesday on writing night, and I was like, oh, sure. And then, but then Streeter goes... And this is just his way of just communicating things. He just goes, yeah, and so I guess at, uh, on Wednesday at the table, you can just, like, just mutter some Korean gibberish. I was like, okay, maybe? I was like, I don't know. And then on Wednesday, I go up to him. I go, maybe it's probably for the best that I don't do anything at the table because I don't want to just, like, make up marble mouth sounds. Um, and he was like, okay, fine. But then it, it gets picked. And then I start to sort of, like, strategize. And I'm like, okay, how do I do this? I guess I'll just... 
copy and paste because what's in the script is Sandra's character being like, translating for me, and so I'm like, I guess I'll just like copy paste all this in a, in Google Translate and just like do voice memos and just like wrote memorize, and for some reason it just would not stick, and it was so hard, and um, just didn't work, and and I was like. I, and I was on two other sketches and monologue, and I was just like, this is too also, much. Also, you're not freaking Korean, and man. And I'm not Korean. And I'm just like, <laughs> what, what do I do? Because there was no way that I would have just gone out gone out there and just, like, said nonsense. You yeah, know yeah, saying? yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm not going to do that. You're not. You're like, I'm not going to be white about it. Like, Well, like, <laughs> I'm like, I've had to, like, memorize these women's. I've had, I've had to memorize, like, fucking, like, the Devil Wears Prada monologue, like, <laughs> micro-expression for micro-expression. I'm gonna, like, get this. Yeah. Trust me. Yeah. And so, on Saturday, my 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 office mate, Anna, who just got promoted to supervising writer, and she was like, I want to just support you in this way that maybe other people aren't thinking about. She was like, the show should just, the show could and normally would, if you were cast, the show would, have like, would hire someone, like a dialect coach, to work with you on this. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that. And so then she's like, let's call up our friend Karen Chi. She's this Korean writer at Seth Meyers. Also worked on the Globes. Also met Sandra. She'd flown in. She'd flown back in from Korea that morning. And she helped. And you? she FaceTimed me and was my fucking savior that night. So Asians are just here for each other in beautiful ways. Isn't that nice? That is really nice. And then she like, and then and then and then her coaching me for like twenty minutes over Facetime at six p.m. Dress rehearsal was at eight. I had like an hour and a half to just like, okay, mm, let me just like plug this in and just like just like run it, run it, run it, run it, run it, learn it, and like whatever. Like it was janky, like. What, what like what, what do you call it? It's Chinglish and for Chinese. What is it called in Korean? I mean, Kinglish. Kinglish, great. <laughs> it was basically just like fully crazy, jacked up Korean. But I just like did it, and it was it was really fun. It was, it was just important for me to like at least make an attempt. Yeah, at doing it. like yeah. due diligence. Yes, totally. Did all your friends gather to watch that episode? Um, I well, it was really nice because I didn't I didn't tell anybody about it. Why? Because you never knew if it was gonna get cut. Uh, didn't know if it was gonna get cut. All the other times that I've been like, the worst thing that can happen there for anybody, cast or writer, is just to be like, is just to tell your friends and family like oh this is it this is the I've got one. something on yeah. yeah and then it i mean like yeah and then you just become superstitious as a writer or as any sort of person where you're just like i can't if i do this it'll jinx that or if i don't mm. work out before wednesday <laughs> then my stuff won't get picked it's just like all this crazy stuff and so i didn't tell anybody yeah but i did text my parents after dress after it got it was confirmed to go into the actual air show i was like Okay, I'll tell my parents. And I didn't even tell them what it was. I was just like, I might, just if you watch tonight's show after the second commercial break, you might see me. And do, that was all I told them. Do they watch every week? They started to. My parent, my dad, when I got the job, when I got hired, my dad texted me and goes, does this mean you're moving to LA now? I don't know what this means. <laughs> <laughs> how, how involved are your parents? Are they super proud? They're very proud now. They okay, that's what what question was. Right. Yeah, like okay, at what great. point did they start supporting your ass? Because sure. I know they were worried. They were. Um, so we. I grew up in Montreal before I moved to Denver. Before I moved to the U.S. And there's this festival there called Just for Laughs, Just pour rire. And then it was, they would have free like street shows. And so when we were when I was a kid, they would just take when we would go into the city, we would just walk through it. And that was like sort of my first moments of imprinting of of, of like having this like comedy career be like. Oh, this could be really fun someday. Um, but they didn't fully 
like like I had just been doing like basement shows for like years and years in Brooklyn, and they were just like, "What are you doing? Get a real job." But this was while you were in school or after school. This was both in school. In school, I was like masking all of this with like a chemistry degree, and, right? Because like, pre- you were hardcore pre med, uh-huh, and uh-huh. so they were they, every vigil candle they had ever lit for you <laughs> yes. was finally coming true. Right, right. And then and then what happened? <laughs> every vigil candle. That's every little votive. That's so beautiful. And then what happened was that I um. I took my MCAT, and then the second time I took it, I got to the I got to the writing portion of it, and I was just like, I can't do this. I, just, I had this like crazy mini conniption in in the testing center. I was just like, no. So For whatever reason, I don't. I I haven't really pinpointed why it was that moment. It's your intuition just set you yeah, on fire. Yeah, it happens. It happens. No, I think all of us who have like a violent inflection point in <laughs> yes, our careers, yeah. it, it it really is this like seismic like quickening where you're totally. like, fuck, fuck, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. So, so you'd always been doing comedy shows, yep. and you did. UCB, right? I did it. Yeah, I did it very. I never like did a house team, which is like sort of how you're considered to be in the system yeah, yeah. but um but I, like, I did runs of shows there and then like that was like sort of the little cohort of people that i was hanging out and with. ucb is like an you can basically take improv classes there yes. and like you like matriculate kind of and it's kind like, of yeah basically this is like my wikipedia on it no, amy polar founded it yes. it started in chicago uh-huh, uh-huh. but but basically it's like a finishing school for comedians it's like um it's it's like a Grad school, yeah. It's more like a, or, or, yeah. It's just like it fancies itself. It is like an accredited theater institution mm. or, or like educational institution. Um, so it's that. I I don't mean to say it fancies itself. It is what it is. Um, but I like so I like for years and years was trying to just break into that system and be like, why why aren't they? Like what? Like what's wrong with me? Like what? What do I have to change about myself to fit this mold of were they performer? not receptive to you? Well, I was just like I probably like not good at the time. What's that? <laughs> I, I want. I, I get really defensive. I was like, no, what, no, no, what no, no, did no. they say? Yeah, <laughs> I was just. I probably. I just wasn't ready at the time. And then it was kind of this. And then like the, the mythos around it kind of shifted when Broad City came on mm. because then it was just like, well, Abby and Alana, they were UCB girls, and like they were like champions for UCB. Um, but they had never made it onto a house team, and so they like they never sort of, sort of made it in the UCB system. And then you just realize it's it's sort of this like, great place to perform, but it's also like not the end all be all at all. Mm, and so it's like it just, everyone who goes on Top Model being like, well, now where's my modeling career? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yes, one hundred percent that. And then it actually just helped with things going forward, where it was just like, oh well, okay, I like I'll yeah I'll go back into SNL and audition for the fourth time. Like I. It's fine. Like, I don't need, I don't really need to sort of, like, like, there's not, like, like I still, I would love to work there, but it's not this, like, I'm not spinning out, figuring out what's wrong with what I do. Well, also, it kind of seems to me that it would be, like, a false sense of security to, like, then become, like, a big fish in that particular pond. Totally. And, like, yeah, it's true. Like, you can find your success elsewhere. Right. And so... And, like, also, isn't comedy, like, in end of itself, just, like, this brutal kind of, like, sandblasting thing of, like, getting better, like, live yeah. in front of people every yes. fucking night anyway? Yes. So how frequently were you doing, like, stand-up? So I was... So, like, between me and, like, Joel Kimbooster, I mean, like... Friend all, of the pod. Friend of the pod. Yeah. Iconic episode. Um, he... 
So he and I were just sort of like two sides of the same coin where he was more stand he was definitely more of a stand up and I was more of like a sketch sketch person, improv person who like also like occasionally put together these weird high concept shows where um let's have all queer people play um every role in a sex let's let's stage a sex in the city episode and have all queer people play every character um or let's do like um so you sh- had vision i was just like i was just like how do we i was like how do i do something how do i hack like not having to like <laughs> put in my like put in my reps and whatever um but like uh uh or do my reps i was just like how do i just like pretend to be this like brooklyn like comedic savant and then it, it was just a fake it till you make it thing where truly it was like oh cool like i i've fooled you into thinking that i'm good at this and now i'm actually good at it which is which is neat <laughs> you're like haha on you but actually that's really funny because even you know i listened to um i like watched pete holmes's show crashing on uh-huh. hbo and i was like listening to some like uh, armchair expert with like Dax Shepard and he was talking to like Jason Manzukis maybe. Oh yeah, yeah. And I was just like, wow, like here are all these wor- worlds I don't know about. And anytime you talk to a comedian, a lot of the time when they make it, uh-huh. it sounds as though they had to be really wonky and like slightly political about like the way they would either curry favor within like a particular microcosm yeah. or they would have to study at the altar of very specific things. And so like a lot of origin stories for comedians, it's like, when did you get into it? And it was just like, oh, I used to be in love with Carson and then I would Uh listen to all these tapes and then I got into this crew and you kind of had a very different like way in kind of or I would say it's just like um like just like a a, just like a different analog to like that story where it's just like I literally did just grow up watching like SNL and Matt TV and Conan like just like every night so you were that nerd I was that nerd yeah and then did short form improv in high school Mm. where I would like go downtown to downtown Denver and just like perform with a bunch of other 16 year olds and all these adults would be like, who the fuck are you guys? (laughs) Um, Pardon me. Pardon me. Um, And then, but then college, but then once college happened, I like, I was that kid who would go on, on campus tours and be like, yeah, yeah, cool. But like, do you guys have a comedy group here? Is is there like a scene? (laughs) Like truly I was like, that was my top of mind thing and my parents were like okay but that's just a hobby how did you get so confident that you were literally asking is there a scene here because you <laughs> you knew that you were going to do it whether there was a scene there or not yeah um it was just a, it was it wasn't this confidence it was just like it was what i was what i was already doing in high school and so like for me it was just this thing where it was like okay well i still have to be a good student i have to be a good student before i like first and then i can that that earns me the privilege of being able to do this thing that is just so everyone's sort of like okay with it and my parents aren't freaking out. But like so when in terms of college picks, it was that was part of it, but like again, like took cover behind, well, I'll major in chemistry. Right. But I will conveniently <laughs> also be at NYU. Exactly. Yeah. Where my sister was and like that was part of it too, where it's like, okay, well you well, like you know Older sister? Older sister, two and years old. Two years older. Two years and older. what does she do? She um so she went to NYU for journalism, worked at Bloomberg as a producer and was on camera for a while, then decided she hated it, even though her lifelong dream was to be like a news anchor, mm. decided she hated it. Um and then she uh moved to Atlanta. Now she just works in communications. She's like truly living her best life. It's life that she 
didn't know she wanted, but now she wants. What did your What do your parents do? My parents. My mom was a gynecologist in China, and then when we moved, when they moved, um, uh, now she's now she just does like histo technology stuff. Like she's like a like like hospitals will send biopsies to her, and she, she's the one to just sort of assay it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then my dad is um, a mining explosives engineer. So they're hella smart. Hella smart. So you come from like a long line of academics. Yes. And my my mom, well, yes, on my mother's side, and my dad like literally grew up in like a dirt home in Inner Mongolia. So he was the dream. He was the dream. And my mom was like the lineage of, well, you're, you come from a long line of like highly intellectual academic people, scholarly people. And my dad was like, and, and your other your other story is this is all this is all like so many things are being realized for you and then the other thing was like my mom being like you know if we had stayed in China like you wouldn't have been born mm, as the, as the second child yeah. and so that like fully throttles me into like a full existential despair every time I think about it but um and then my, the other thing that my mom says is um and it's just her flexing but she's always like you know if I had stayed. All you know, if I'd stayed in China, you know, all my all my classmates say keep saying, or, or it's it's not her flexing, but every time we go back to China, like her classmates will come up to me and my sister and be like, if she had stayed, she would have become like the equivalent to like the Surgeon General, or like she would have like been like the biggest fucking deal. So in order to give you guys a better life, and so that you can exist. Mm-hmm. Your father had to defy every expectation and alter reality, and your mother had to abdicate the Surgeon General throne. Yes. And with all of that and their hopes and dreams and expectations, you have elected to become a comedian. Yes, <laughs> isn't that fucking crazy? But then that's but it, awesome. It's but it's like lately it's been a nice and like I don't. I mean, because have... you're. I mean, you you did it. I mean, you won. Like of of the most significant and storied things you know Uh like uh you're literally a writer in snl sure and like but yeah like but the the moment that like it registered the moment that they were like oh cool this might work out was when i um was when i went to this this when i went to the comedy festival in montreal when i got booked for it last summer so that beautiful where it it was was like a full circle totally and so that was when they were like oh that's a thing like like i like i'd like done tv shows and like i'd done all this stuff and like meant nothing to them because they were like we don't relate to and like we don't know what that is um but then when i got when i went to jfl last summer they were like oh cool and then that was the same week as when my friend matt and i did um like like went on the tonight show for this quick thing yeah i saw that yeah yeah and then and then it was like my mom's coworkers would come up to her and be like we saw bowen on tv and that it took other people saying bowen's doing so well for her to be like oh i get it he's doing He's doing all these things. Well, that's the same thing with my parents. Um, <laughs> they they don't get it until it's translated back to yes, them by, yes. in my mother's case, by church people, because that's the there the highest go. authority in terms <laughs> of like actual cachet. Queen Queen Church. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, so they're they're proud now. Yes. How did they all? Did they like support you financially during the like sort of like heavy low times were there financially low times oh like, for sure how and gruesome because that's the thing wanting to be a comedian in new york it's like oh good luck pal yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. cute <laughs> yeah. for you cute yeah. for you um it was yeah it was it was very dark in the beginning especially in like especially when it was the inflection point of like oh i gotta i'm not doing the med school thing by the way they were like what 
move home immediately. I'm like, no, I'm going to try to make it out here. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to temp. And they were like, excuse <laughs> what me? What are these words? Now <laughs> yeah, you're just saying words right, to right, hurt right, me. Right, yeah, right. totally. Um, and I was like, I'm going to try to like, I'm like, I'm going to like scrape by um, for like a year or so. And then like there were just times absolutely when like I would like be in the red and like my dad would like drop 200 bucks in my account. And I'd be like, okay, I better... I better make this right someday. What did it feel like when you had to ask them, knowing that they were already low key, like devastated, furious slash scared for you? Like it's, I think it's like the most humiliated I've ever felt. Just like in, just just inwardly humiliated of just being like, wow, pure trash that I'm doing this. That I'm like going up to my dad and being like, hey, um, so I know Yang. I know my sister is like killing it and like (laughs) she's the one who's like being all firstborn about it exactly yes (laughs) yes and i know she like whatever is has like has like checked all these boxes for you in terms of like what she's doing with her life but like can i have i don't know if i'll make rent this month you know like so that like for about a year that was like the weird lurch through my finances um how did you maintain like faith that you were gonna make it in those times oh I think it was I think it was just like getting numbed to the work of just being like okay well I'll just do everything like I, I will just like go home and stare at a wall for like an hour and then I'll just like write stuff or I'll just come up with ideas or but I'll go to an open mic or something How hard is that because you know that's the thing it's like Being a writer, just because you're sitting down at your desk, Mm -hmm. just because you have carved out the time from, like, earning money in other places to write, Mm -hmm. just because you did write, just because you liked it, just doesn't mean it turns into money. No. And so that's the thing of this, like, this suspension of disbelief. Like, how do you maintain that? Well, I liked what you said recently. I think it was on, like, it might have been on Equal Life or something where you were just, like, Work that is not seen or released or published or like I think this is literally on a Saturday where my sketches where my sketches got cut and I was like God I suck and then I like saw you post something about like work that is like not like writing that is not published or seen or whatever like it is still writing it is still good it is still like a brick on something some bigger structure and I was like whoa that is like what I've believed all along and I think that's probably what got me through it was just being like well it's terrible writing i am i'm just now realizing that i am the neophyte of all neophytes in this like i like i you know i like was doing chemistry like you know i was doing chemistry shit like for four years like i'm not a, like i did not self-identify as a writer until like maybe even a year ago is that true yeah wow so do you have imposter syndrome yes hundred percent. Well, this is a question that I get asked a lot and someone actually just DM'd it to me on Instagram too today. Like, how do you deal with imposter syndrome? Um, Cause it's hard to be you cause there isn't a you to look to. Sure. And some, and literally I was, Joel came to the show last night and I, and like we had a fun drunken moment where we just like clutched each other and I was like, cause Joel's on shrill. Joel's, Joel's on shrill. Katie Bryant's show. Yes. And it, he's amazing. He's in so it. good in it. Yeah. Um, and he's writing for Big Mouth currently and, um, just doing so many great things. Um, but, but I, I like Joel and I like looked in each other's eyes last night and I was just like, God, sometimes like 
you're the only person who understands what I'm going through. Well, um, yeah. I believe that. Yeah. I mean, like, it it's so much pressure. We yeah. all look to you with such expectation and, like, hope in our hearts. Oh, that's, that's really nice. I... I- I texted Joel and I was like, are you proud? And he was just like, what do you mean? I was just like, "You, the show, you're great. You're so yes, prominent. Uh-huh. And your body fat is like, what, like 3% right 3%? now? It's oh, like crazy. Lower, yeah. <laughs> like negative 4%. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, you know, I've just been running around. I was like, no, you have to, both of you. And also, again, sidebar, you guys were together at SNL last night with BTS as a musical guest. These are just good moments. It was, <laughs> and I, oh my God, I ran down. So I took Joel downstairs because normally it's like a whole affair to like try to like sneak in during the musical performance from the writer's room. Um, they cut us off because it was just bedlam. I could hear it. Yes. Yeah. And then, and so then I, we like walk back defeated and then AD literally goes, no. She, she, she's just like you guys didn't get in we were like no she goes no come with me like brushes past the security guards places us then she's like bye and I was like angel <gasps> I knew she was great oh she's she's great right 1000 she's like, the best that's what I mean I, I think I started re-watching SNL circa 80 Brian Kate McKinnon uh-huh. because they're so good fantastic and her show is incredible yep. and also just the other thing that is, I feel like people don't know about SNL like that studio is fucking small it's tiny it's so small tiny tiny and it's like a floor and a half of space i think i went one night and i think gaga was a musical guest Uh like a long long time ago and i didn't get in either obviously i was like watching it um i was actually watching it in lauren's office which is like a very hallowed space to watch from. but like there was no way we're getting in and i saw i peeked in i was like this room is tiny it's tiny and it's like in this fucking mid-century deco or not even mid-century you know it's like art deco like yeah, yeah. totally gilded age yeah craziness. of radio maybe yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah no so that's it's great but it's also hard um but so- yeah i i just um I, I the way i deal with imposter syndrome is just to like is just to is i do think i'm lucky in in terms of having someone to look to which is for me right now is honestly just joel is just being like okay we're groping around in the dark together and so far it's it's and so far we've been incredibly lucky and let's just like let's just like have gratitude around that and then the other thing is just to like i'm reading this book that is do you know martha beck she's like the self-help guru and like i'm fully into this this book that she has and she but she has this self-awareness around how like new agey and i love new age i love self-help say more say okay more so it's called the, the book is called steering by starlight it was recommended to me by this other writer legendary writer tammy sager one day she she's just like you should read this book um and it's all about like your inner stargazer but it's it's, it's whatever the the force within you is of like just like the core thing that is like surrounded by all the bullshit the 10,000 noise and sorrows mm-hmm. like that is like who you should like try to access and whenever you whenever you can and so um like she talks a lot about like that setting your destiny and like the things the good things that have happened to you in life have been because you like have like engaged with that thing <laughs> I know this is like so no I have it okay I, great 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 so you're I'm with me on board, yeah um I'm resonating a lot with this book a and b like just my way of getting over it, my little band-aid over the bullet hole for now is just like, just to like, I don't know, just 
I've made it this far with the limited tools that I have, and I'll I'll just follow that for a while. No, I think that's true. Like, I have this on my best days. Mm-hmm. I have this theory. It's not. It doesn't belong to me. It was shared with to me, but. I mean, it came. It comes directly from like twelve step and addiction recovery. Yeah. But it's like, if you just believe that there's, it's just a benevolent universe that uh-huh. is in a conspiracy to help you just heed that, like that inner truth of you. Uh-huh. Everything just falls into place, and totally. like all human suffering comes from when you fight something. Yes, or when you. You say yes when you mean no and like get all that stuff conflated. Right, right. Um, But how do you know in your gut what to say yes to? Because I'm sure you have a lot of opportunity right now. Sure, sure. I think I just say yes to things that I I, I get a pretty quick knee-jerk emotional reaction to things. I mean, I just... And lately that's been good because... The quick thing that I'll mention from this book, too, that, I, that is my favorite part so far is that she talks about, she's like, try, like, she's like, imagine yourself for 30 seconds being a wash in validation from all the people you want validation from. Like, imagine, like, I'm like, I'm, I imagine Lauren Michaels, like, groveling and being like, Bowen, I love you. Like, all this stuff. Thank you, Thank Bowen. You, Bowen. Yeah. Um, and just everyone else, like, love interests, like, like, like or romantic interests, whatever, like, just people just like surrounding you and like telling you how great you are for 30 seconds just imagine that and then then the exercise is now walk into any situation pretending like you've already won quote unquote even though it's not about winning or losing but it's like just imagine because because then because the story she she references this um dea officer that she knows who will walk instead of like kicking down a door and sticking up a gun he will like walk into a drug den slowly calmly sit down and like cross his legs and then like the people inside will be like wait what what's going on and then he'll be like come with me and everyone's just like okay <laughs> and they just go with him right because like, de-escalation is just like so unexpected yeah. and like and and I've, I've kind of been using that lately it's kind of the scariest <laughs> version of like speak softly and carry a Sure. Yeah. It's kind, it's kind of what yeah. Lauren does. It's kind of it's like it's like a very Miranda Priestly thing. Mm, mm, yeah. Never raises her voice. And so, so, so what I do is just I like reset to that place of just like okay, I don't have to be thirsty for anything. What, what would be fun for me, for them, for other people? Just like on a pure, completely distilled level like what is that like like would this be fun and then that's that so you come into a situation already already fulfilled yes and it's like what can you add to my life right and then oh and then what she says in the book is that it's not delusion it's not you like lying yourself about circumstances it's just you you being like what would it be like if just a thought experiment what would it be like if you were already fulfilled and you got everything you wanted out of any situation I'm so like improv yes and about yeah. that. I'm like a hundred percent. No, because it's true. I have the same thing. It's like it doesn't matter what's true. It just matters where you need to come from in order to a be in a better bargaining position. B mm-hmm. be able to know what you want. Yes, and that's it. And that's, that's it. like, 
Yeah, just more joy, less suffering. So, um, so these are a couple more questions that I've gotten from people on Instagram that I want to share with you. Mm-hmm. Um, have you had friends that ended up not really working for you as you get more success? Um, and, and what do you do? Sure. I think the thing that I'm figuring out now is that friendship doesn't equal collaborative magic. It's just like... I've had friends at SNL and like one of my best friends in the world uh, is a writing supervisor there. And the times we've written together have been great, but it's also just like, I mean, you find like, like me and Julio has been like this totally unexpected or expected. But did just, you know each other before? We you... did. Okay. Um, Cause he was just part of this like queer Brooklyn sort of queer wave Brooklyn comedy scene. What's Julio's last name? Torres. Oh okay. yes. Oh, please check him out. If you haven't already, he has a special coming out on HBO. He's, doing fantastically um but he's just someone who's just like very sure of what he wants he has such a vision he's such a visual person and working with him in the beginning I was like a little nervous I was like I probably have to like concede to Julio in most decisions and I probably shouldn't vocalize my instincts but we'll see how this goes but then like over time and especially with checks it was just like oh no like we're both like meeting each other halfway in this and it feels like a true collaborative beautiful it's like falling in love it's like oh this is like there's a chemistry here that you can't really clock from far away and then with like my best friend in the world Sudi Green it's like the times we've written together and she would cop to this too like the times we've written together have been good and successful but but it's also not the same like she has her people there already Mm. and so you're like best friend works there already best friend works there already okay which is weird. Which is That's weird. a weird, like, cafeteria table to sit totally, energy. Totally, like, yeah. right? It's like, oh, my friends already go to this school, but also they have their own friends. It's like, and then even, like, she, like, had to, like, not vouch for me too much in the, the hiring process. She had wow. to, like, you have to, like, not. And it's 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 how it is for sketches, too. You can't push for your own pieces, um, like, in the room with Lauren. You can't be like, well, what about mine? You just have to sort of hang back and let someone else, like, co-sign for you or just signal boost for you wow that's yeah. really hard but also really kind of good it's good i mean because then then you know it's full it's mostly merit and it's not whatever nepotistic yeah, yeah. it is like kind of this double blind experiment yeah, sort of thing yeah. where like lauren comes in totally cold right 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 um he is so inscrutable yeah I, fully sphinx-like fully sphinx-like yeah. and it's, it's he's like famously sphinx-like uh-huh. but i've i saw him at like one of the rap party things. Cause it's kind of amazing that you guys do this gala party after uh-huh. every show. Right. <laughs> and then it's his table right. and then watching everyone orbit him yes. is like this beautiful like ballet <laughs> and like even the order in which people arise right, and then right. meander over to his table. Yes, yes. Who's at his table. Right, like, right. Who's at the table closest to that table. Yes, it's yes, like yes. really interesting. Um, how do you, how do you get over the feeling of like competitiveness in that scenario and do you ever feel like you're pitted against anyone or like I think like it's a place that like runs on like people's like just people's sort of people sort of delicately dancing around this what truly just is on like factually competitive thing where it's like you are all we are all like operating in this very Darwinist sort of Right environment of like, well, we have to just 
we have to write something that'll just like make us help us survive um and then it's 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 about like not acknowledging that but also being fully aware of like all of the invisible politics of it and not not knowing what gets said behind closed doors and then the other thing is just just like every, every this is the thing about SNL and what probably is probably what most people don't realize is that everyone's very nice no one's no one's like mean or vituperative everyone's just like everyone's just very nice to each other I feel like because it it was famously like louche and mm-hmm. crazy, like you know, in circa the in the yeah. early days, like the Belushi days, like yeah, season yeah. literal two or whatever. Uh-huh. But like <laughs> now, it's just like everyone always says how professional it is. Yes, yes, because I think it's just accrued so much. I don't know. Just it's, it's it's clout, man. Clout. That's what I. That, yeah, that's exactly. But also, the, Darwin is actually a good point because it really is like evolutionary biology. Like comedy changes. Yes. So much, and on such a granular level, and the metabolism right now, just because of social media, is so fast. So fast, and like the show is unrecognizable if you watch it, even like six seasons ago. That's what I mean. Pre Trump, you're like, what? Yeah. And even the stuff that has nothing to do with politics, it's just like, oh, like the. The voice is drier and the voice is like even or, or or it's like weirder or it's just like weirder, drier, so much more like to the minute. Yes. Like people expect you to know who like, you know, Takashi 69 is. Totally. You know, which right, is just right. like a new kind of SNL where you're like, yes. oh, okay. Right. Like this, like even like, yeah, a decade ago, it was all about broad shit. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. like, like we aren't cross dressers funny, lol. Yeah, type shit. Yeah, and now it's like, oh, we would never put a man in a dress, unless unless it was yeah, unless unless like all these other things lined up. But it's like, um, yeah, it's yeah. a very different show. So it's like no surprise that it has to be so nimble. Totally. Yeah, um, week to week because you have so little control over everything. Like, what is a self-care thing that you do each mm-hmm. week without exception because you just really need it? This is this is the most boring answer, but I think it is just exercise. <laughs> and it's and it's um it's therapy every Monday where all I do is basically talk about work and boys. And then um Tuesday I give I give myself like the morning to just like drink a coffee, read a book, um journal and then um i don't I, I have this terrible cadence with just like morning pagey type things where mm. i just like i'm like okay i'll just like vomit out 700 words um and then i'll feel good about just the process of like like even the kinesthetic thing of just like of typing um so you don't feel calcified when you turn around and totally. try to t- write right again exactly yeah um but then i think the main thing yeah is just exercise and i do it every wednesday and so far in my writer superstition i'm just like well, on the weeks that I don't exercise on Wednesday, my stuff doesn't get picked on Wednesday night. And so I better, like, even though everyone's, like, sleep-deprived the morning of Wednesday and they're, like, I can't, like, you're just catatonic walking into the office and being, like, okay, I gotta talk to this person and this person and this cast member about how they should read this line at the table. Because they are they are just sort of selling the thing to an audience, to a room full of people who work there. 
and it's all like like it a sketch lives or dies in that moment like that's the most nerve-wracking part of the week for me is Wednesday, Wednesday. is just having your peers and all these other people who work in all these other departments just like sitting there and like listening to it and being like hmm oh that's actually oh that's funny like these creative professionals <laughs> judging your 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 hahas and so um so Wednesday I like make it uh, lately I've made it a point because especially on Sandra week, I was just like, I got I, I have all this energy. I got to do something with it. Yeah. You got to rub one out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean that. Basically. But, but yeah. then, um, yeah, I, I went to Soul Cycle on Wednesday morning. Oh, that's a good unit. Yeah. Darkness. I usually yes, cry yes. in Soul Cycle and it's 45 Crying. minutes. So it's perfect. <sighs> yeah. It's nice. So I've done that on a Wednesday. And that's... I think I'm going to keep that going for the next three weeks before we the season ends. And what happens when you're like trying to sell it and you've written it for a player like uh-huh. an actor yeah. in mind uh-huh. and they just like shit on it and they're like nah does that happen no pretty pretty much doesn't like th- this is the thing about everyone just being nice no one's get no one's ever going to be like this sucks they just, so they root for you they root for you they're just like whatever you like okay they're, that's so nice because on a writer on like because the writers basically produce once your thing gets picked you are sort of put in the producer role okay which i think is kind of brilliant and i think that is like lauren's genius is like okay well the writers are going to like soup to nuts like manage every creative aspect of this so the actor is just playing their position exactly and then if it's like for like Kristen Wiig playing the target lady like she like is a writer on that piece you know what I'm saying so the cast yeah yeah. what were we gonna say well that energy it's like you're not gonna be like no Kristen I'm I'm pretty sure I know what you should be doing in in terms of like micro expressions right 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 for sure and so but the cast is never like no one's ever gonna be ever gonna be like uh, mm, I can't. I don't feel. Com- I don't want to do that unless you are like making them do something uncouth. But oh, that's part, amazing! Yeah, it's nice. Also, that kind of gives them some surrender and like they can be immersive in that role too, right? Because I just... think the power struggle just wouldn't work, right? Totally, totally. So you are on a show with Aquafina and Bidi Wong. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be like all the important Asians. Just <laughs> <are in the laughs> like, like a fun little. Quartet of Asians, yeah. and like, and you're on screen. You're uh-huh. playing a cousin. Like, uh-huh. have you started shooting yet? So like, we shot the pilot last summer. Okay, and then we're shooting the first season uh, this summer. So, it was so you nice... are going to be working forever, but on a lot a, but, for a while. But this, but but shooting this show is, I I I bug I bug Nora about this like constantly. I'm like, I'm so excited. It's. It's like the thing that I can't believe. That's like the that's to me is the most surreal thing. SNL is great, and it's and I do like catch myself being like I can't believe I work here. Like last night BTS. Like after I saw BTS, I was like, first of all, this is a moment that this non English speaking K pop in Korean in Korean like not dubbed, not no. anything, not and like people phonetically learning Korean to sing along. Yes, yes, yes. I was like, this is incredible. This is a moment. Um, even eighty was like. Eddie was like, I can't, this is just really cool that this is happening. Mm. And I was just like, yeah. And then I caught, I just I had the thought to myself. I was like, oh, it's really, this is a really cool place to work. Um, but like the Aquafina thing is this fully different thing where it's just like, oh, like I, like I get to like help. Truly, this this sounds like shitty humble pie, but I'm just like, I I can't believe I get to like be a part of her career in this way where I'm just like I get to share this thing with her also Aquafina I mean 
Wow. Just everything that's ha- been happening, like it makes me so emotional between like Crazy Rich Asians, between like Jenny Han, mm-hmm. like, ugh. Ugh, I know. Ugh, I love her. Jenny. She's the best. the best. And the fact that like, you know, Nora's had this career that's, you know, when she was on MTV, you were like, cool, this makes sense. Right, totally. And then, you know, she like books an Oceans movie and now she's like just a critical darling. Now she's in this A24 film. Yeah, yeah and yeah, then yeah. now she's got this show right. and like she's going to be the lead and uh-huh. she's like got this like writer's room that's yeah. all women. Yeah. And it is such a beautiful moment that we're experiencing. Yeah. yeah. Does it feel scary to you? <laughs> for her or for me? For you. Or just in general? Because you as a part of it, because you are definitely part of this like larger cultural, you just uh-huh, like uh-huh. juggernaut. I it's it's a little scary. Yeah. Yeah. But also, I mean like for now at least like like for now not focusing not focusing on the pointillist on the, on the, on the pointillism or the granular, granular granularity of it. It's just like, oh, how cool is it that I get to do this which i know is like such a pr line but it is just like i visited the writer's room a month ago and they're just going through like storylines and like all this stuff for for me and i'm just like this is incredible and i look up and it's just like Nora's face bd me and Lori tanchen who plays her grandma right yeah and i'm just like that's fucking unreal and the the experience of shooting the pilot was very emotional because I, I I rapped and I walked away and I was like shaking and I was like I didn't have to explain myself. I walked onto the set and it was all Asian actors and we sat down and we'd have this scene with food in it and then Beatty's like, oh pro tip, like for food scenes, don't actually eat because then you're just take after take you're gonna have to put stuff in your mouth and swallow for continuity. It. For continuity. <laughs> He's like, and then and then Nora was like, oh yeah yeah yeah, that this is like the thing that like this is like one of the first things you learn that they don't tell you about, that you learn from doing is like, food scenes, nibble on what like it was rice, it was fried rice, and I was just like my first take, I was like just like shoveling stuff in my mouth. You're like, mm. I was like, mm, yum, and they were like, and then Nora Beatty were like, no 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 don't do that, <laughs> in like the warmest gentlest way, and I was like, oh my god, whoa, I'm learning something, and then like there was there was a dish with wood ears in it. Like and then and I was like, oh my god, wood ears. Yum. And then it, but then it was just the, everyone was talking about wood ears. And then I was like, whoa. If I were the only Asian on set, and there was a wood ear dish, I would have to explain to everyone what, what is wood that ears. jiggly exactly. black thing with this like weird film. Exactly. I'd be like, oh, this is a thing from my culture. You know, like no one had to be the ambassador to anything. That was and that blew my mind. And I was like, this is what white people feel all the time. Oh my god! Yeah, that's and I, beautiful. And I left that set being like, I really hope this gets picked up. And here we are. And here we are. And I, I love that you came on the show. Thank you so much. And I love that we get to have this. I love that we get to have this. I truly, I read, I, I just yeah. I I I fucking I fangirled at you on Twitter so hard. And I don't know. This is just a really great moment. I feel like I f- you wrote like the new goodbye to all that in my book <laughs> about leaving New York. I was like, what? This is crazy. And I don't know. You're you're the best. You're the best. I'm so glad. I'm so grateful that we get to have you. Oh, man. Yay. I'm grateful we get to have you. Thank you. I'm in love with my life.